Hi, and thank you for tuning in. You know, I don't know anybody doesn't have a hard time understanding what leadership is about. It has changed in the 21st century. And because it has changed, you know, there's not a lot of information out there that pulls it all together so that you have the steps you need to be the best leader that you can. Leadership is all about influence. And this podcast is about helping you understand how to influence others and to build the collaborative team that provides you the inclusive high-performing workplace that you are looking for. Whether this is the first job you've had as a leader, whether you're an individual contributor, or you've been in leadership for 30 years, there is something for you on this particular podcast. It's called Remarkable Leadership Lessons, shared by Denise Cooper and her friends. And if you like, you can always go over to my website and pick up other gems that will help you become a remarkable leader. We talk a lot about healthcare and healthcare equity, but from a, you know, you're a supervisor, you're a boss, you're an employee, you're out here trying to hustle like everybody else. And we hear these big words like social determinants of health and healthcare equity. And you know what? It really doesn't put any food on the table. So sometimes we don't really pay attention and understand what does this stuff mean? And in particular, for supervisors, because, you know, I, I get a lot of calls from you guys or you send me emails for um, the once a month Saturday, call in Denise, just ask Denise. And a lot of it is, why should I care about this topic, this this topic of health care? You know, there's the Obamacare, there's insurance. I don't need to worry about this kind of stuff. Well, my friend today, Jean Drummond. She can break it down into the one, two, threes as to why you need to care. And particularly as an employee, as a supervisor, there's some reasons why if you can just do a few things right, if we can just talk about this and break it down into something that you can work with, I'm telling you, it will improve the productivity in your workplace. It will improve the communities in which you do business. And you will be seen as a great partner in the communities that you live and you work in. And this is not just a U.S. issue. This is a global issue. And we're going to talk about this from a global perspective because Jean has done some amazing work, not just in the U.S., but around the world in educating people and trying to move the needle on improving the healthcare and the healthcare quality that is accessible to everyone, regardless of their economic status. So with that, let me tell you a little bit about Jean. Um, She began her successful and award-winning, you know, I wouldn't have anybody else on here, right? Um, Healthcare consultancy about 31 years ago. And I promise you, if you could see her, she looks like she's 17 with $400 and her mom's credit card. That You know, that's tenacious, right? Um, She graduated from Howard. She graduated from Bowie State. All right, Bowie, you know you're out there. When she graduated from Howard, her experience there in witnessing health inequities on a regular basis, that became her driving motivator. And she soon found herself advocating for vulnerable populations that she was serving. This included running a PR campaign to prevent the closure of a minority-oriented health care program. She knew that she was being called to a higher purpose and wanted to advance her community in meaningful ways. Well, she's gone from local communities to a global perspective. 
She is now the leader of a company called Healthcare Dynamics International, a national quality improvement and population health firm that has been recognized by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services for its achievement as a prime contractor. She turned that $400 um, and her mom's credit card into a thriving global business with over 200 employees from 20 different countries that speak 23 unique languages. So if she doesn't know it, I know she got somebody up under her who does know how to deal with this. How you doing, Jean? Hey, how are you, Denise? I'm telling you, girl, you just motivated me all over again. I just might have to go back and get another $400, you know? <laughs> Look at that hey. kind of return. That I thing, know, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. what, what Wall Street is doing right now. I think I think maybe we did the right thing. I know that's right. I know that's right. That and a bit of tenacity and a clear focus on what it is you want. So before we go any further here, because, you know, people like to know who you are. Yeah. And I'm asking my my question this year, 2023, is what's your superpower? You know, I think my superpower is really divine engagement. So I know how to engage people. I know how to try to figure out what it is that you do best, what God appointed you, whether you know you whether you know God appointed you or not, what is it that you do best? And then figuring out how can I engage with you in a meaningful way, honestly, to bring about the kingdom, but I'm going to say in a business framing to, to help you to achieve your goals, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's win-win. And so that, that's what I enjoy doing, those connections so that we can magnify the work and bring others in um, that maybe in in many circumstances have been left out, mm-hmm. right? And we know you speak often about those communities that are left out. And sometimes, you know, I even found early in my business career, Denise, that I didn't even realize I wasn't even on the field, right? I mean, you're wondering why you're not catching the balls. You what? And I'm going in a whole. You wonder why you're not getting contracts, getting the opportunities. And you think that you're there in the environment, but you're not even you're not even a part of the conversations of where the dollars are flowing. So it took me a little minute to kind of understand that and examine the business landscape and really get involved with that. But what I just see is so often individuals, most the majority oftentimes of color or women. We, we aren't even in the conversations. We don't even know that we're not in on the field. We think that we're playing and we're so far from it. So some people are sitting here going, what are you talking about? I mean, you know, people are listening to me. They, you know, I got lost. Tell me what the before and after was before you knew you weren't. And then what was the bubble that got you to, oh, wait a minute. So the before was, you are trying to get business. You're in business. You started your business. And you think maybe you have a decent website or you think, you know, that you're in business. So now I've made it, right? But money's not flowing or it's not flowing consistently. I, you know, I'm thankful, been able to do this for 32 years, right? And it's not just about me. I have, you saw, you know, several hundred staff that work with me. So that's, what I, part of what I try to do is give back to that to the community. But what I'm saying is the the beginning, the before, is 
a place where you think that you are ready to do business. You think that you understand what the requirements are for business. And I'm going to also say for individuals looking to elevate themselves in the next role, right? You think you're ready. Denise, come on. How many times have we talked to staff? Oh, I can do this. I'm ready for this. And then they, you, you know, you, you, you get that divine engagement moment where you, you meet someone, whether it's in the business framing or in an employment framing that you think that, you know, you're able to tell your story and you think you're ready. And then you really find out that they gave you that opportunity. Right. But then the after is, wow, you see that maybe you were really not as ready. And I'm going to give you an example. So I will probably say maybe it's been about 20 years ago, maybe even more, maybe about 25 years ago. Denise, I was trying to get this $5 million opportunity. Mm-hmm. Now, at that time, my company was probably at about a quarter million in terms of gross revenue. I was going after a $5 million opportunity. And you could not tell me that I wasn't ready for it. Right. I didn't get it. I did not get it. All right. So when I went through the debriefing, I didn't realize all the infrastructure that I needed mm-hmm. in order to handle a five million dollar opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I'll pivot on you. How many of y'all? How many of us are praying? God, give me this. Give me that. You know, even if we take it to the family, Lord, give me a husband. Whatever. <laughs> Already, right? <laughs> you ain't taking it to yourself. Right. So I'm just kind of saying I had to pivot there. You know, I didn't have more fun there. But I'm just saying, I think the before is we think we're ready for something. We think right. we're there. We meet this opportunity, that divide, you know, that place of, okay, I, but we really did not prepare. So the right. moral of the story is proper preparation prevents poor performance. Mm-hmm. Have you prepared mm-hmm. to either you know, launch your business to the next level, take your career to the next level, you know, advance that relationship that you want to the next level. Have you prepared? Yeah. So as we're talking about this, this topic of being leaders and understanding how to be conscious leaders, leaders who care about the people around them and the communities in which they have been given the privilege to do business in, right? A lot of the times, you know, we still hang on to this old thinking that, you know, leave your emotions at the front door, leave your problems at the front door. You know, you came to work. And and it's not just the supervisors, but there's a lot of us workers, people who come to work thinking, I got to leave this at the door. I can't, you know, and then life rushes in on it. Step back just a second, because that's the framework in which we're going to talk a little bit about healthcare um disparity what is it called um social determinants of health thinking about what is that tell me how that mixes in that thinking so denise first of all i've always said that you you can't be and i i prefer to use the word staff rather than employee that's just my frame Mm -hmm. and employee me is okay just do what i tell you to do staff is no understand what i'm trying to do bring what you have and help me get there right Mm -hmm help us get there to another level. So when we think about staff, I think about you're no better as a staff member than you are at home. I mean, if you're in a domestic situation at home, you're going to bring that to work. 
you know, because guess what? Then you got to go back to it. So it's very important when we think about all of the factors of good health, right? Good health and wellness. We think about of our staff. Social determinants play a fundamental role. You know, social determinants, for those that may be new to this topic, there are conditions in our environment, right? Where we are born, where we live, where we learn, where we work, where we pray, worship, and we age. So it's that place where oftentimes we're born, so we didn't have an option. So it's these are the determinants that are really, you know, grouped and help with our health, our functioning, our quality of life, our safety and risk of our communities. You know, from a scientific perspective, they're grouped in about five categories. We've got economic stability, right? So, you know, are, do I live in a community that has good jobs, right? Mm-hmm. Or am I living in a community just 7-Eleven and, and, you know, and, and mm-hmm. it looks, you will. Mm-hmm. Access to healthcare, mm-hmm. right? Do, is there hospitals healthcare? Is there access to education? What kind mm-hmm. of school do I have? Do I have to go long ways, you know, to get education? What about my neighborhood environment? Are there mm-hmm. pathways that I can walk? You know, I can ride my bike. Mm-hmm. You know, am I ducking guns? At, can I, do I fear walking because, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if I'm going to get shot, right? As well as social and community context. Do other people in my neighborhood look like me? Do they speak their language? You know, what is what does that built environment look like? And so when we think about transportation, do you have to re- reliable tra- Transportation to what? Get back and forth to work. Get back mm-hmm. and forth to the grocery store. To the far, you know, to the pharmacist. Um, do you have education? Education is going to affect your literacy. Um, these factors have very intricate impact on one's ability to thrive, to get that job that you're talking about, that offers that health insurance, and to get a job that indeed will give them access to a stable home to, you know, health insurance and the things that impact and maintain our general wellness. Well, it's interesting because, you know, in I'm, I'm in North Carolina. A lot of my listeners, if you've been listening a while, you know, I, I live in North Carolina. And the interesting part is, is that, um, you know, we're pretty rural. Yes. And, you know, some people have to take two hours to get to a doctor. I mean, it's yep. nicer now because we've had, you know, the whole pandemic issue. And so we've got more access to virtual care. But I still say, you know, at some point, a doctor's got to have eyeballs on you. Right, right. Um, In particular, you know, the mortality rate for women and babies being born is pretty high in the U.S. We, you know, we think we, in some ways, we're like a third world country, not to say anything bad about it, but just the access to health care is pretty bad. What is it that, in your perspective and what you've learned, you know, this idea of healthcare inequity and right. disparities. Right, right, right. Absolutely. What do, you, what do you think is the thing that people just don't get? Right, right, right. So let me say a couple of things. One, we do a lot of work around what we call urbanicity mm-hmm. and royality. Mm-hmm. And you're exactly right. When we look at rural populations, there is some deep disparities just in the geographic, you know, the geographic um, zip codes and areas that represent rural rural communities. Access to care is one. You know, economics is you know is another. And so, you know, when we look at the disparities, you mentioned um, maternal and child health. Mm-hmm. The number of women that are, are even dying from child after childbirth. 
the disparities are much higher in racial and ethnic communities. Mm-hmm. You spoke about the economics. Uh, the United States spends about 19.7% of our gross national product in healthcare. Mm-hmm. Yet we are about 16th in the world mm-hmm. in terms of our outcomes, right? Our life expectancy. And so you can look at any particular health indicator and you can, whether it's a chronic disease, whether it's childhood immunizations, whether it's access to primary care services, you can look across the strata and see that in, in many of these areas, there are disparities. Disparities demonstrating that you could have two individuals, three individuals, whatever, their populations of, of, of persons that are classified by race and ethnicity, age, geographics. You know, we have re- what we call real data, race, ethnicity, and language data, and even SOGI data, right? Sexual orientation and gender identity data. And you can see disparities, meaning same place, same level of, you know, I mean, same condition once you equalize the data. And you can see that why is this particular uh, population is disproportionately represented? We can see, if we could take COVID, you can see the number of hospitalizations that occurred for people of color versus not, the length of stay, the expenses. I mean, I could go on and saying um, that this issue around disparities, and it costs our country. Do you not know that disparities is now a national security issue? No. Can I tell you? Yes, it absolutely is. The reason being is your, it's your workforce. Think about the things that we've heard of late around our workforce, right? So because of oftentimes these treatment inequities mm-hmm. has created individuals that are now disabled or out of the workforce, mm-hmm. look at that brain Drain. Look at that resource drain that we now as a company, as a country, don't have. Mm-hmm. Look at the dollars that we're spending in healthcare that are not bringing back a return on investment that could be placed in other systems in our country, mm-hmm. education. And so when I speak of national security, it's are we spending, we're not spending our dollars in industries mm-hmm. that are bringing us back a return on investment that strengthen our country. We've got real challenges there. And I think that COVID-19, the pandemic, mm-hmm. unveiled equity at a level like never before. And as we look at our federal health policies and how we're trying to drive to value-based care. So that's what our work is, Denise. Mm-hmm. We look at federal health policies and how do we deliver good quality care for our most vulnerable, yet make sure that we are delivering back an ROI to the feds, to the federal government, the state government, and ultimately the commercial health plans that cover individuals that are below the poverty line established for Medicaid. Well, you know, in in our country, if you don't have a job that provides a health care, then, you know, it's 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 hard. But I think in many ways, employers don't know what they should be thinking about because there's also now a bit of a movement around wellness and wraparound services that are hopefully taking on some momentum and steam. So if I'm sitting in the chair of I've got to figure out something else, okay, I've got a population, you know, maybe it's full retail and retail 
you know, they have children, they predominantly women, um, might be in a rural area, might be in an urban area, it doesn't really matter. But I'm sitting here trying to think through, okay, so how do I negotiate? How do I think about putting together a health plan that's really going to help my folks? And what should I be considering? Trade-offs. What kinds of questions should I be asking that would let that would uh, that I would know? What would I what would I be looking for? So I think, first of all, it's kind of some of the data. So like, for instance, if I think about our staff, looking at our staff, how many women, how many men, what's the race and ethnicity? And what are the chronic conditions that are most prominent amongst our staff, just from the data racially, but also what they might have? How would I find that out? Because also looking at your staff and you have largely women it very well may be mothers, mm-hmm. right? So what, you know, what are you offering there? I also would say that, you know, especially when you're thinking about essential workers, they oftentimes are in the restaurant feeding people and they don't have food when they go home. But what are their social determinants? How are you addressing behavioral health? Like folks are going through stuff. Well, folks are going through. So, how are we trying to reduce stress? Mm-hmm. I know I'm probably not the great, I'm not the greatest at that, but I'm just kind of saying these are some of the factors that I think employers need to look at. Is I know at times we've had food giveaways for our staff. We have staff at the very high, you know, at a, mm-hmm. we have a very diverse group of staff. And sometimes you just kind of find everybody's going through, right? I mean, COVID was a great equalizer. People that were middle income now found themselves, you know, and especially now I go to the grocery store. I used to maybe buy two or three things. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to up there one. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, this has just gotten to be so expensive. So mm-hmm. being sensitive to um, these key areas that, you know, we the, the price, the prices and just the cost of living. I know there have been times over my 30 years, I wasn't able to give a raise. There there have been times where I've taken, cut my salary in half, and that was the the raise that I gave Mm -hmm. to others. And then the next year, I still wasn't able to do it, but I couldn't keep mine anymore. I just said, team, look, this is where I am. When we good, I'll make sure you're good. Mm -hmm. And so it's just kind of trying to navigate those places, demonstrating that you're sensitive, you understand it all, you understand those circumstances, but just realizing that sometimes folks are dealing with a lot beyond the workplace. You know, beyond the mission that you have and the purpose that you've been given in terms of, you know, trying to educate and elevate in this area of healthcare, you know, you're, you're what we would call a conscious leader, a leader who is more than interested in just the finances just the selling of the product, et cetera. The way you talk about it, you talk about your family. They're not employees, they're staff. They have equal, you know, you expect for them to help you navigate the business, to make good decisions, to help you think through those kinds of things. When times are up, tough, you you know, you're rolling up your sleeves and, you know, I I didn't take a raise, I'm giving it to y'all this year, that kind of thing. Uh, Talk to me a bit about your journey to get to that, because some people are listening to this going, yeah. crazy. Well, Denise, you asked me, and so, you know, I'm going to tell you. Um, my journey is very different. So, you know, my background, I'm a, you know, I'm a physician assistant, started out in respiratory therapy, physician assistant. And then I really felt a calling to do this work. I really felt God called me from 
practicing medicine to starting my business. At the time I did it, my parents, everyone was like, what in the world are you doing? Do you know what you went to college for um, and what you do very well? And I probably said that to my, myself. And I'll be honest with you, in the 32 years, I probably think well, maybe the last few years I stopped asking myself, how did I make that transition? But what I've come to learn is that, you know, when you are um, of a, you know, of a mindset that you believe in destiny and God has ordered your life, you don't always understand the beginning, the end from the beginning, but you just go along by faith. So that's the first thing I said. It is indeed been a faith walk. Mm-hmm. I had no idea I would be where I am now. I just knew it was going to be something good. And even still, the rest of the journey is still a little, you know, I think it's clear. I got a business plan, but, you know, then things occur, but it's it's all been good. I would say that a part of my foundation has been my family, my Mm -hmm. family that I grew up with, my grandmother. I was surrounded by strong, empowering, God-fearing women that both my mother and my grandmother and, and many of my mother's sisters who both ran their businesses. My grandmother was born in 1896. Um, and she had a, she ran a general merchandise store in Virginia, not quite North Carolina, but in Virginia. <laughs> While my, my mother finished her bachelor's degree at one of the HBCUs, and she was a professional seamstress. And so when I was born, I had some medical challenges. My mom had to come home, and so she started her business and doing draperies and and um, chair covers and different kind of things. And so I really got the chance to see what it was like to have a meaningful business yet have your family and um, give back to the community. And so so it's be, it's that. Um, so I'm very mission-driven. I know that what I have is only by the grace of God. I do run a business, be clear. It's a for-profit business. I also have a nonprofit. So I, you know, I have to keep the framing because I, I frequently share. I don't have any volunteers. <laughs> volunteers but my staff are looking for that ching-ching on the 15th and the 30th every month. And right. I- Praise God, I've never been able to um, disappoint that. But what the reality of it is, is that, yeah, um, it is a family environment, but there are very real expectations um, that I need. I'm trying to go somewhere, right? I'm on a journey and um, we're really trying to change. We're doing work globally, but we really want to give not only our staff, but every person that we touch a meaningful experience that they feel valued. They feel that we genuinely, we don't bring judgment. We genuinely care about what their needs are. And, you know, when we're reaching out, whether it's a quality measure gap, you mentioned that earlier, whether we're doing heated gap closures or whether we're trying to help individuals um, to redetermine how they will uh, sign up again, or whether it's a Medicare beneficiary, right? That's trying to uh, reconcile their medication and dealing with the side of Back there on two or three medicines, been in the emergency room, whatever it might be, or a baby, a mother and baby. And then she's just trying to get her health insurance card so she can get into the doctor and and get, you know, her immunizations done. Every interaction we care. And mm-hmm. so I frequently bring it back to my staff and say, if it wasn't but the grace of God, we could be on the other end of that call. And so we are very, our approach is very human-centered design. And um, we love what we do. We love what we do. I have an incredible team. Every single one of them bring their gifts, talents, and hearts to work every single day. And I'm very grateful to be able to lead a 
cadre of professionals in the way that I do every day. You know, I I look at this and, um, you know, because you've got a hugely diverse workforce here, 20 countries, 23 unique languages, you know, and most managers, supervisors, you know, the challenge that you face in terms of it, they would be getting people who all fit into them and fit in our culture and I mean, you know, yeah. you, got, you know, you got 20 countries and 23 yeah. languages. There's a whole lot of fitting in, ain't it? Blending might be it, but there ain't yeah. no fitting in. But but also, it's not just that. It's you're a global organization. You're impacting not just in the U.S., but you're impacting world kinds of of, of forums and leaders, etc. In this area of helping them to do something that is really complex and changing and resource constrained. As you're pulling your team together and trying to get them focused on this across all kinds of where they came from, what they bring to the table, et cetera, what's what's one thing that you keep your eye on as you're moving your staff towards this ball of ending health inequalities? You know, so when you hear the term population health, and this was another learning place. So I remember some years back when the term really got, you know, population health. But what people look at is just the numbers, mm-hmm. right? And I get it. Believe me, we have a full, we have millions of patient records. So mm-hmm. I get it. That's important. But there are lives behind There's hearts. There's relationships. There's dreams. There's passion. There's struggle. There's growth, there's opportunity, there's tenacity, there's weakness behind those numbers. So oftentimes we find systems don't engage. They don't sit down and talk to the doctors providing the care. They don't talk to the patients receiving the care. They don't talk. They just sit behind a computer and calculate numbers, calculate costs. Believe me, I, I'm an economic focus. I know the numbers. I can talk to you about the trillions of dollars that are lost because of it. I know the numbers. I, there's no disrespect for the numbers. But if we're truly going to move the needle on health equity, move the needle on economic strategy for you know really getting an ROI on our dollars that our country at large is investing in this thing called health, which if you mess me on mess with me on another day, I'll call sick care, not health care. <laughs> right? Because if we were in health care, we would have a system uh, that we prevent, we would go what we call go upstream and help people before they get lost. Mm-hmm. But instead, when we do our risk stratification, we spend 90% of our time on the 7% that are costing the problem. When it just, it, it's just, no, let's go upstream, right? So let me get off that bandwagon. But I'm saying engage, touch people. We all have a heart. Every last one of anybody that's listening to Denise right now across this world, I promise you, they have a heart that is throbbing, that is beat. What is that beat saying? What is that thump? What is, what is creating the electrical rhythm behind that beat? If you can tap into that and we can look beyond the skin and see, I promise you, I've done my medical, everybody's heart, 
Some of it may be a little bit more clogged, have a little bit of cholesterol, but everybody got a left ventricle. Everybody's got an electrical rhythm. It has no color. It doesn't have a language around it. It doesn't have, you know, anything but a desire to live mm-hmm. and to live in a way that um, we can achieve our best and be our best. You know what? Preach! Bring it on in. Come on, preach it. I'm not going to take a scripture, but I don't mind. That's what being a conscious leader is. It, it is about connecting all of it together. Business is really a simple model. You know, you have a product or service that you sell, you collect some money and you got some people who deliver the services on it. And if you, and, and all three are equally valuable. We cloud it with all this other stuff and get so caught, caught up on, you know, the numbers that we forget that it's a three pronged table or chair that's designed to deliver something wonderful to a group of people who have an interest in it. But it's a simple business model. And if you can stay conscious on the fact that we're dealing with people's lives, that heartbeat that you said, that rhythm, click, click. Everybody's got one. It all looks the same. Maybe a little bigger, maybe a little smaller, maybe a little clogged, maybe not so clogged. I love that. That's what it's about. So if people want to have want to learn more about what you guys do or they want to engage you, you know, hey, insurance companies. Um, <laughs> Oh, thank you, Connor. You definitely, absolutely. You can go ahead and say, yeah. So I thank you for saying that, Denise. So we are very interested. We are currently serving many national commercial health plans that have government sponsoring programs. So they are serving the Medicaid, the Medicare, um, special needs populations. Um, that's who we focus on helping them to reach their hardest to reach individuals and to improve their quality of life while helping the plan to reach their, you know, their goals. I would be delighted. You can reach out to me directly, J Drummond, D-R-U-M-M-O-N-D at HCDI.com. Visit our website, HCDI.com. Denise, I'll tell you, it stands for Healthcare Dynamics, but I also say, how about healthy, caring, dynamic individual? All right. How do you like that? So, I love it. I say that that's the acronym that I use when I'm talking more to, you know, on an employee kind of, right, you know, right. staffing model. So I'm on the healthcare side, so we pivot, right? You just said it. We pivot on the healthcare side. It's Healthcare Dynamics International. That is our legal name, HCD International. And so I welcome anyone to reach out to us. And uh, we will, or at info at hcdi.com. It comes right to my email and happy to engage in a meaningful conversation. All right. Changing lives one conversation at a time. That's what she's doing. um, And with that, if you like this, share it. If you didn't like it, share it. Because I promise you, it will be a conversation that will help you close the gap and get to where you want to be and to help other individuals be uplifted and to do the best. It would improve your ability to inspire and lead other individuals and set goals that are meaningful to everyone out there. You know where to find me every Thursday. we got a new podcast coming out. And if you have any questions, you know how to get a hold of me. You can reach us at info1 at rlessons.com. And we answer all kinds of questions 
with that, talk to you later. Bye. Well, as I said before, this is a wrap. Hey, thank you so much for following me. And if you really, really want to make things better and help me get the word out, please go like this wherever you're listening to your podcast. Follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. All of that's in the show notes. And for doing that, go to my website and click on the uh, network and you'll be able to get some free gifts that will help you figure out how to be the best leader that you can be. As I always say, if you like it, share it. If you don't like it, share it, because I guarantee it will definitely help you become the most remarkable leader you can be.